unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and this has been an episode that I've been wanting to cover for a while because I knew that you'd have a wealth of information on the subject, and so I'm just going to turn it over to you, and uh, we're just going to get started. Sounds great. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I was thinking of buying some new musical equipment, but this wasn't a, a physical instrument. It was a hard drive with about 400 gigs worth of uh, various software on it. And um, it was expensive. Uh, I mean, I thought very expensive for, for this kind of musical software, 1200 bucks. And that cost me a lot more than many of my guitars. So I was talking to the guy at Sweetwater, a guy named Brian, my sales engineer, and he explained something to me that was interesting. He told me the things that I'd be able to do with this that I really couldn't do any other way. Um, and from there, he hinted at the kind of money I would not have to spend to do those things or the time I would not have to take learning. And suddenly it didn't seem that expensive. So I, when I got the software, I decided to do a little experiment. I had this song that I wrote about 25 years ago. That's it's a very short song. I, I wrote it for a friend who happened to be from Brooklyn and he needed some motivation. And so the song, this is going to sound strange perhaps to anyone but a New Yorker, um, this song was about the IRT, which is a subway line. And, um, I, I wrote it in order to motivate him. So I thought I've always wanted to hear that recorded and that's always been bugging me. So let me play it for you. And then I want to explain a few things uh, in terms of the perceived value. Okay, so whether you like the music or not, there was a lot in there, and I'd, I'd like you to think for a second about what it would have cost to do that in real life. Now, you know, Nathan, because you've been a music producer, but if I were going to do that here, the first thing I'd have to do is rent Davies Symphony Hall. That's a $2,500 minimum right there. That's already twice of what I, more than twice of what I paid for the software. And then from there, I'd have to hire a trumpet soloist I'd have to hire a woodwind ensemble with flutes, oboes, clarinets, bassoons, saxophones, contrabassoons, and bass clarinets. And I'd also have to hire a string section with cellos, violas, and violins. And that's just for starters. Then I'd have to get mics professionally set up to record it, and I'd have to get an engineer in to record it. Then it would be, have to be mixed and produced. And now we're easily between three to $4,000 just for 10 seconds of music. Wow. So now you can see how $11.99 was not nearly that much money. Now, to be sure, I was never going to do the other thing of rent the symphony hall and hire the musicians and all of those things. 
But that still is a great example of how you demonstrate perceived value. So we do something like this with Podcast Blast Off. A lot of people say, well, $29.99 a month is more expensive than Libsyn or Blueberry. But then we do something at the end of our sales message, which is which we call a value stack, where we say, well, yeah, but you get podcast hosting, you get a website, you get website templates, you get a whole bunch of different plugins, you get security monitoring for your website. And if you had to pay for the podcast hosting and you had to pay for your website hosting and you had to pay for your website template and you had to pay for your podcast player and you went to all these different places to pay for each of these each month you'd actually end up spending close to $100 a month, which is what a lot of the top-tier podcasters spend to host their podcast, and we give it all to you for $29.99. We call that the value stack. I don't know if there's a different name for that, but it's, it's basically the same thing where when somebody says that's a lot of money, but then you show if you went and you got each piece of this from different places, this is how much it would actually cost you, and we bundle it all together. Um, that's typically one of the most common ways to increase perceived value, but I know that you have a bunch of other ways that kind of go above and beyond the common knowledge of how to increase perceived value. Well, when you told me $29.95 a month, I think you'll remember I didn't flinch, and it's not because I'm not cheap. I'm very cheap when I don't see value. I'm very willing to spend and invest when I do. And it was, you know, immediately clear to me because I'd already done the research. But yeah, to to your point, and in my case, to my point, you know, before I actually thought through what it would cost to get all these musicians together in a concert space, most people don't. So yeah, a, a value stack's a, a a good way to do it. And um, no, I I definitely use that, and I've helped copywriters who I've been mentoring to use value stacks to break down what they're doing to help justify their fees, which I think are justifiable when they're getting good results for people. Anyway, before we go ahead, I need to give you this message. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But If you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health or finance or business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So let's get to perceived value now. For some people, it seems like a lot of hocus pocus, but as I think you and I have already demonstrated with two real world examples, it's not hocus pocus. It's the applied use of your imagination, your practical imagination, not your fanciful imagination, your practical imagination to understand and then explain why something that seems like nothing more than a pile of features is actually worth a lot to your prospect. That's what it is. It's a way to explain why something that seems like nothing more than a pile of features is actually worth a lot to your prospect. So what I'd like to do today is give people almost like a a crash course in increasing perceived value. I mean, if somebody, and please don't, but if someone stopped listening to the podcast right now, just from what you said and what I said, they've already gotten tons of information on how to 
increase perceived value. And that's what a lot of people do. But let's look at the bigger picture, because for some people, this this is a hard concept to grasp. And I want to break it down so it's easy. Um, so here, here are some steps. If you're really going to get into it, if you're going to do even more than value stacking. The first step is to look at your offer from your customer's point of view. I guess you hear that all the time. What does it mean? Well, you need to ask this question. In terms of what your product will do for them, whether it's going to solve a problem or open up a new opportunity or something else, what's their, like, what's their life like today? In terms of what your product's going to do for them, what's their life like today? And then you want to compare your offer to the cost or the missed opportunity of what their life's already like today to what it would be like if they didn't have the problem or if they took advantage of the opportunity. That is, you need to help them see what is it worth not to have this problem or what is it worth to have this opportunity. And then, speaking as the marketer, you need to answer the question in a very convincing and believable and easy to understand way. Why is our offer better? Why does our offer provide more value than other solutions or opportunities that are available? Okay, so this piece is important. In addition to talking about their life and what it's like without your offer compared to what it's like with your offer, you need to do another comparison. You need to compare your offer and the results that it provides to other solutions that you're going to show are inferior solutions compared to yours because they don't provide as much value. Now, Nathan, what you were talking about with your value stack is a good example of overcoming the curse of the obvious, but a lot of people miss this and their marketing suffers. So you have to be aware of the curse of the obvious. The value of your offer may be obvious to you, but it's rarely obvious to your customer. You need to spell out that value even to demonstrate it in your prospect's life or in your prospects going about doing a podcast. And we'll talk about what that is today in a series of steps and how to do that. Now, understanding what I just said, this all this big picture stuff, this is crucial to understanding how to create perceived value. One thing is that a lot of people don't understand that value is subjective. A lot of people, especially when they're first getting into business, I'll use a, a hammer as an example. They say, well, a hammer costs this much money to create the mold and this much money to pour the metal and this much money to get the wood and this much money to whittle the wood down into a handle. And therefore, a hammer should cost, take all of those, uh, all of those materials and, and labor and put it together, and that's how much a hammer should cost, and maybe add 10% so that you can have a little bit of profit. Um, but realistically, though, that's what the hammer is worth to you. That doesn't mean that that's what the hammer is worth to other people. The hammer to somebody else means that they can build their son a treehouse, which is invaluable. So if you can sell the hammer as a way to build memories, now all of a sudden it's not just the raw materials. Now you've increased the value or at least the perceived value. So that's, that's what we really need to get across to people when, when they're listening to this episode is that it's not per se about 
increasing the tangible value of something. It's about understanding that value is subjective. And if you can increase perceived value, or if you can let them know that the perceived value is, is more than just the material cost of something, that makes it more valuable to your prospect and thus more appealing. Yeah, that's a very good example. And uh, in your example, the cost of the materials is like features. That cost is like features. The way a person is going to use the finished product with all those materials put together to build a treehouse for their kid, that's more like a benefit. And that's where the real value is. Now, if it's your everyday hammer that you could buy at, uh, you know, Home Depot or on Amazon for, you know, five bucks or 10 bucks, big deal. But if this is a special treehouse hammer, maybe it comes with instructions, maybe it's specially balanced or weighted so you can build treehouses, then it might be worth a lot more. Nice. Okay. So I know that where you're going to go next is something that we've already covered on the podcast, but you kind of rewrote it in a way that specifically applies um, to this lesson. So where are we going to go next? That's right. I'm going to say that once you have gone through step one, once you look at your offer from your customer's point of view in that comprehensive big picture way, step two is apply the seven reasons people buy to all of the unique advantages that you've come up with with your offer. And I'll show you how that in a minute, but those seven reasons actually it's seven reasons plus one, are one, make money, two, save money, three, save time, four, reduce effort, five, improve health, six, reduce pain, and seven, increase pleasure. And the plus one is increased prestige. That's more for luxury items, things like Ivy League degrees and you know, living in a very exclusive neighborhood, those kind of things. That's a reason people buy, by the way. Okay, so what you do is you look at the benefits of your offer. You look at all of the things that your offer does for your prospect. Eugene Schwartz and Breakthrough Advertising calls this performances. You look at which of these performances or benefits fit into one or more of the eight categories, make money, save money, save time, reduce effort, improve health, reduce pain, increase pleasure, increase prestige. One of those eight categories that we just discussed. Now, like with my native instrument software, the stuff I was talking about right at the beginning, I'm looking at how much money would it have cost me to set up the recording you know, rent the hall, hire the musicians, pay the musicians, record, and then produce that piece of music. So the value there is the money saved. And that's why people buy the software. The people who mostly buy the software, by the way, are movie composers, people who write music for the movies. And you can just imagine what it would be like to try and write the music with a live orchestra, especially if they're just sending in a first draft. Maybe eventually they're going to hire an orchestra or a conductor, but the client, the movie, has to approve it first. Okay, I don't want to spend all our time on that, but I just wanted to make it clear as to why someone other than me might actually spend that money. I'm spending it because 
I'm moving ahead in music in my life. Okay, now to go through the whole process of taking an offer, breaking it down, getting into the prospect's life, understanding what the prospect's priorities are, what keeps them awake at night, and then you know, spewing out all the benefits, all the performances, and then organizing them into those eight categories and then grading them to figure out which ones show the greatest value. That, that could take us several hours. We're not going to do that today. But what I'd like to do is fast forward to the end to give people three examples of perceived value concepts based on products. These are imaginary products, but they're not like, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen that crazy TV show, Happy, on sci-fi, where there are all these imaginary friends floating around in the air. That's not, I don't mean imaginary in that sense. These are, these are possible products that I've never heard of. It might be like one or two generations away. These days, the generation isn't very long, right, um, from coming about. So let's, let's get to the first one. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. Let's say you came up with a program, you know, uh, an app that could show you exactly which Facebook ads and landing pages in your niche were working, number one. And number two, gave you an exact algorithm for getting the right distribution for your ad based on what those successful Facebook funnels were doing. Okay. Now, maybe something like that exists. I don't know. I don't think so, though. Um, you're, you do a lot of Facebook ad stuff. Have you ever seen anything that does all that? I haven't. I've seen apps that uh, come close to doing that, but you just gave me an idea. So as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to the patent office. Okay, I'll take 10%. So, <laughs> um, so what's, what's the um, reason? Here the reason is make money. It's reason number one. Obviously, with this program, you're going to multiply. You're not only going to multiply, you're going to multiply to the maximum extent possible every single ad dollar into greater revenue because of precision targeting. That's perceived value. Now, clearly something that helps you with Facebook advertising is going to be worth something. This is going to make it worth more if you articulate the value proposition that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's an example of showing it might cost this much, but for every dollar that you put in, you're going to get $3 or $4 in return. 
uh, or or maybe ten dollars in return, all of a sudden, whatever price it costs doesn't really matter at all if I can if I can know that I'm going to get a an immediate return on what I put in. So, I mean, something like that, you could charge a hundred dollars a month to access. If my ad spend is a thousand dollars a month, and and you show me that you can pull 4,000 for every thousand that I put in a hundred dollars is nothing. That's right. In fact, for a business person with enough cash flow, it really doesn't matter what it costs. I mean, anything where you have a pretty reliable proven system to turn $1 into $4 in less than a month, you know, I mean, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, um, what what's his name? The Washington Post guy, Jeff Bezos. All of them, you know, would probably like to buy a few of these. So, I, I think I've just raised my stake to eleven and a half percent in that idea. <laughs> okay, um, let's do another one. Let's say, that, and and this is for our, especially for our friend Charles uh, Bram, the the fitness coach. Let's say you came up with an exercise, and he may hate this idea. So. If you don't like it, Charles, it's not for you. Sorry. Um, let's say you came up with an exercise machine that allowed you to get the same cardio and strength benefits that you could get from existing machines, but only by putting half of the physical effort in on your part. Now, this is, would be obviously for people who can't or won't do a rigorous gym workout, and it might be they're weak, they're disabled. They're playing lazy. They just have a limited amount of energy. And they're like me. Exercise always takes away energy. It doesn't add energy like it does for some other people. Something like that would be worth a lot. So what's the reason people buy that's being used for this? It's reason number four, reduce effort. And here's the increased perceived value. Get more of the positive results of exercise with less exertion. Okay? let's let's do another one um we still got a little time don't we yep okay uh, suppose you had a diet and supplement plan that could solve exactly the same problem that conventional medical care attempts to solve but without the dangerous side effects of surgery of prescription drugs of um, machines that breathe for you while you're sleeping whatever it is right um, I don't even want to speculate on what that would be. That could just get us going down so many dangerous rabbit holes. But let's say you had one that did that. And of course, there are many that do or claim to. There are some that do. So the increased perceived value is really it's two uh, reasons that people buy. The first primary one is improve health, get healthier in a safer way, and save enormous medical costs. So it's also reason number two, which is save money. Mm, that's a compounded one. And it's one of those things where if, uh, if you can say spending $60 a month on this supplement and a slight lifestyle change, it might seem like a lot, but it's going to add 20 years to your life, um, $60 a month for adding 20 years to my life, I'd absolutely pay it. Yeah, and, and so would everybody else who could beg, borrow, steal, or pay out of cash flow or savings or investments or trust fund or 
you know, people's workers, health fund, whatever. I mean, they'd do it. Everyone would do it, right? Mm. So you've given us a lot of ways to increase the perceived value. I think that uh, I think that one of the biggest takeaways here is that there's not just one way. There's there's multiple ways to go about letting people know that this is more valuable than just the surface level viewing of it might appear. Uh, can you, can you give us a quick summary and uh, kind of retouch on the points that we went over in this episode? Sure. And I'll have to say, I look at it differently. I'm not disputing what you're saying. I believe that that's probably true. If I looked at it the way you look at it, I, the way I see it is this is one way, but it's, it's not like a little technique or tactic. It's more of a strategy, but I suppose within the strategy, there are lots of tactics. Anyway, the first step in, in this whole big picture thing is to look at the offer from your customer's point of view, get into your customer's life, get into the part of their life that your offer affects and figure out the various alternatives they might take to getting your offer and using it and benefiting from it and realize the reason it's preferable to get your offer as opposed to all of these other choices then you develop benefits, performances, specific things that your offer does. You categorize those benefits into the seven reasons people buy plus one. Remember, if you're interested in a Cadillac, that's plus one. Okay. And then pick the best examples that demonstrate value based on what we talked about in today's podcast. That's pretty much covers it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, David, thank you so much. This is, uh, this is going to be one of those episodes where people that already have some pretty compelling copy, they'll be able to, to add this information in or this knowledge in and just take it over the top. So I really appreciate you laying this out for us today. Oh, thanks for saying that. And I hope they do. And that's, that's our goal here is to help everyone at every level of progress and success do better. Awesome. What do we have coming up next week, David? Oh, wow. We have... Monster creativity. Oh, we should have saved that one for Halloween. Well, maybe we can do a replay or we can do um, a prequel or a, or a sequel. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again, David. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you, copywriters, for tuning in. Make sure to head over to copywriterspodcast.com to check out more. And we will see you next time. Yeah. See you all next week. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.